Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Are the levels okay? Awesome. I was thinking about it, the miracle of childbirth. And as I've gotten a little bit older and I've seen friends and family suffer through miscarriages or infertility, you start to realize how true this statement is, right? It's a miracle of childbirth. Uh, The body then, as I'm thinking, can perform some truly amazing things. And yet, on the other hand, it can really disappoint us as well. And so this is kind of how we're heading into the topic today because I'm fascinated by the body and its movement and its function. And we have registered kinesiologists Sociologist Sarah Zahab joining us. Uh, she is the founder of Continuum Fitness. Great to be able to have her here as we head into episode 41 of Living Your Life with Leanne Lang, the podcast brought to you by Extension Marketing. And of course, you can always check out extensionmarketing.com. So Sarah, resume, incredibly impressive. Background in human kinetics, uh, a former world fitness competitor, which your body still looks unbelievable, uh, a sports aerobic competitor, an elite race walking competitor, uh, and my all-time favorite, and this was how we met, is the star of your own DVD series <laughs> for uh, pre- and postnatal um, pregnancy. So it's great to have you here. Thanks so much yeah. for having me. It comes full circle. Like, we've been doing this a long time. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah it's great. <laughs> I'm looking forward to this. And it's funny, because you've been watching. You've seen some of the podcasts. I've seen most of them. Love them all. I, I love the guests. Like, everyone's got a story, and I think you don't think that they have a full story, and then you start talking, and it's like, oh my God, this goes so much deeper. Well, the way you're able to sort of dig deep and, and you know, get their, their, their true stories out, it's just, it's incredible. It's just gripping. I... I think everyone has a story and I think everyone has a story that helps inspire other people as well. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it's going to resonate with someone, one topic and then another. And I think this one really will as well, because I think through your client base, I mean, you've seen this for how many years are you now at this? 20 years. 20 years. 20 years of doing this. You've seen every kind of person come in looking Mm -hmm. for help. I know you've dealt a lot with women in pregnancy, pre and postnatal. Yes. Uh, Do you have kind of like a favorite kind of... (sighs) The client or what you're looking for? Yeah, I would say, you know, in my practice, I, I really do enjoy working with the pre and postnatal population. It's really my niche. Um, of course, I really enjoy working with all populations. I'm really into working with, you know, young girls, uh, you know, because I have two girls and, uh, and, and helping them sort of, you know, train and, uh, and progress. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I would say those are my two favorite. I'm mm-hmm. sure you didn't think you were going to have favorites when we're going to go back like 30, 40 years. Yeah. I don't think we're going back. We're not even going back 40, so don't even let me know. <laughs> <Okay>. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like you were, yeah, there, there was no, uh, there was no thought process yet. But okay, you're in an industry right now, which has a lot of, I don't want to say it's, we were talking about this kind mm-hmm. of the saturation, right? You really do kind of need to have something mm-hmm. that gives you the knowledge, that gives you the expertise so that people say, okay, this is different from the everyday. Right. For you, I mean, 
the understanding of the human body, like kinesiologists, mm-hmm. like explain that exactly. What does that offer? Yeah, it's, it's interesting because when I first, uh, you know, started in the industry 20 years ago, um, I think I spent the first 10 years explaining my profession. When I would say I'm a kinesiologist, people would say, well, what is that? And, you know, now in the last five to 10 years, I think, you know, when I say it, people are like, oh, that's cool. Is that kind of like a physio? Is that kind of like a personal trainer? I think there's a little more understanding around, you know, the profession and, and what it is. Um, but we're a regulated profession in Ontario, and kinesiologists need to undergo, um, you know, a four-year undergraduate degree in health sciences. Um, they have a really in-depth knowledge of, you know, the human body, um, anatomy, physiology, biomechanics. We're essentially specialists in human movement. Um, and so in our practice, we're able to, you know, dig a little deeper. Uh, we're performing, you know, movement screens and muscle tests to help uh, identify where muscle imbalances are, movement deficiencies are, Um, you know, we're trying to clean up movement and, um, you know, get muscles firing optimally. Mm -hmm. Okay, so when I'm looking at your study and your and what you're having to know, like the knowledge base, was there thought about going into medicine? Or was there thought once you have this understanding of the Mm -hmm. human body, Mm -hmm. you know, like, as to what you really wanted to do with that? Well, the thing with kinesiology is, you know, in my close group of friends, you know, we we're about five or six of us in university, we all went different to in different paths. So with human kinetics as an, as an undergrad, you know, I did have a friend who went on to medical school, uh, another friend in chiropractic, another friend in, uh, so there's just so many different mm-hmm. paths that you can take with this, with this degree. Um, and I chose to go the exercise sciences r- route. And um, yeah, it's just been, it's been a great, it's been a great journey. So the journey didn't start with you going to into university and, no. and studying human kinetics. What was the background like? What was childhood like in terms of activity and sport and the understanding of kind of mm. health early on? Mm-hmm. Well, so I was born with dislocated hips. And so, um, you know, the doctor really pushed my mom to put me in dance lessons uh, with the thought that it would sort of strengthen and reinforce the hip musculature. So give me, you know, better um, stability in through the hips. And so uh, when I was three years old, I started dancing and I was one of those like super busy um, uh, you know, on the go kids. And so I was kind of in everything, mm-hmm. uh, but mostly dance, you know, and I, you hit a certain age where, you know, as a dancer, you sort of expand into doing other forms of dance. So you're doing like jazz and hip hop and tap. And, um, you know, it started with ballet, of course, and that was the foundation. But it got to a point where I was dancing, you know, five, six days a week, I was competing in my teens. Um, I joined a Middle Eastern dance group in my teens. Uh, Yeah, so it was just, it was was mostly, I mean, dance was pretty all-consuming at that time. Right, but you were active as a dancer then. I'm assuming Mm -hmm. that you were watching, you you knew nutrition, you knew the foods that you wanted to eat in, in order to maintain a dancer's body and to have the energy to train six days a week. Yeah, I mean, I I was very fortunate because my mom, uh, you know, my parents really ate, we ate typical like Middle Eastern healthy food, you know, the Mediterranean diet, pretty much, right? (laughs) That's all the rage right now is the Mediterranean diet. But that's kind of I mean, we just we didn't really eat out. Uh, We had home cooked meals almost all the time. Um, and I didn't really pay attention to nutrition uh, until I was a little bit older, you know, in my later teens. Um, you know, as a dancer, there's a little bit of pressure to, you know, look a certain way. Um, and as a ballerina, I didn't really have a ballerina's figure, you know, like my knees didn't touch in first position because I was a little bit bow legged or, um, 
you know, they're really looking for the, the lean kind of straight lines. Um, and I remember there was a time where we were encouraged to, you know, eat salads. And I was, I was like 20, almost 15, 20 pounds lighter than I was now. And I remember thinking, wow, like, do I really have to, it just, that was mm-hmm. a point where I was really sort of aware of nutrition and the body. And it was just a very interesting sort of Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to picture you right now, 15, 20 pounds, <laughs> like the waif that you must have been uh, at, at that point uh, when you're kind of going through this. Mm-hmm. But I do look at your figure now and I can see how the sport aerobic and mm-hmm. how the fitness competitor then emerged uh, from that. Yeah. So I was, so I stopped dancing competitively in university in my studies. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's busy. It's hard to dance, you know, six, seven days a week when, when you're, you're studying. I mean, it's, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a lot of work. Um, but I remember seeing these competitions on television. It was on TSN. Uh, and I first saw sport aerobics and I thought, wow, that'd be really fun. It would be a nice outlet, a nice transition for me. Um, and so I did two years of, of sport aerobics. And I mean, this is dating me, but, it, it, you know, it's it was pretty... It's only dating you when you watch the YouTube videos of the sport aerobic <laughs> competitions and then recall actually watching them, you know, live. They're so that funny. You, yeah, yeah. You get that. I know, but it was like with the big fake smiles and like the, the big smiles <laughs> and, but I mean, I, I enjoyed the, the yeah. performance aspect, yeah. but I, but it was, you know, you had to have four push-ups and you had to have four kicks. It, it was a little more sort of structured. Mm-hmm. And so I remember seeing a Miss Fitness competition on, on television. It was on TSN. It was the Fitness Canada pageant or whatever it was. And I thought that would be a nice transition for me because there's a little more flexibility with, um, you know, the routines. There weren't really strict guidelines as to you had to have this many push-ups or this number of flips. It was just a little more creative. Um, the thing with the fitness competitions, I did that for six years. Um, was that you, you, there was a bikini round as well. So you were judged on your physique. And then, so I was going from being judged on, you know, on just on your athletic ability, athleticism, your routine to being judged on the routine, but also being judged on your physique. And so, you know, there was a bikini round, um, and you had to do these quarter turns. And so, you know, you were just judged on, uh, how lean you, you were, um, which was, it was pretty, it's, I mean, if you see the pictures, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting because you're in, I mean, you're wearing six inch stilettos and you're trying to look feminine, but not feminine, you know, cause you're so lean. You're so lean, but there's such, um, you know, you look at your human kinetics, background, mm-hmm. right? There's an understanding of how each muscle is developed and trained so that it looks like it's supposed to uh, of on the human skeleton, right? Like you could, like I'm picturing like the poster on the wall with the muscle structure yeah. of, a, of a human. That's what you're trying to appear with just a slight skin, <laughs> skin covering coating. it, skin coating. So, you know, you can build those muscles and have that, but, but it's not really going to show unless you, you're at a specific percentage, like body fat mm-hmm. percentage. And so getting to that point is really, really difficult, especially for women. Why so much so? I think just hormonally, you know, we're, we're meant to carry a certain percentage of body fat to protect our children, you know, it's childbearing, you mm-hmm. know, I, I don't think our bodies for, for many women aren't meant to be, I mean, some women are just naturally lean, but, uh, you know, for others, it can be a real struggle. 
What did you enjoy most about the process of competing and doing these competitions? Mm -hmm. It was definitely the routine round. I mean, that was super fun. You know, dancing, you know, combination of gymnastics, dance uh, elements, strength elements. It was it was really fun. I have uh, emceed and hosted a number of fitness Mm -hmm. competitions. Mm -hmm. And I have been backstage looking at these girls as they're about to go on stage almost like so weak mm-hmm. because they have been, you know, dehydrated. They, they're so dehydrated. Mm-hmm. They've gotten to the point where they are literally peaking at the very moment that they're on stage. Um, and I've thought to myself, my goodness, like what they have put their body through mm-hmm. to get to this point sometimes I think is like, I just feel like saying, do you want a cookie? <laughs> like, can you just eat something right now? They're counting you know, down the seconds. But they're counting they, down the seconds mm-hmm. uh, until they, they're able to do that. It's such a, mm-hmm. I found it's like a science. They know exactly what they can put in and what they can't. It's a, it's a total science because you're spending, I mean, they don't, you don't really look like that a week before the show. And you don't look like that often a week after the show. Absolutely I've not. Some of the, I've seen some of the competitors and, you know, it could be two months out of the show and I almost don't recognize them because it's a very different person. Well, and that's what happened to me. You know, I did six years of competing, stopped in 2006 and wanted to, you know, so it's just, it's very difficult to, no one really talks about coming out of competition. I think, um, you know, with a lot of athletes as well, we sort of have that, we assume that these, you know, Olympic athletes have done amazing things, but no one really talks about their transition out of sport, you know, or how are they, how are they getting out of that? Um, and emotionally, mentally, it can, it can be a very mm. difficult transition. Um, so yeah, I remember gaining like 15 pounds within a very short period of time, just from eating normally you know, and exercising normally. It's just because of what you had deprived the system. Yeah. So when you're doing, you know, when you're working out for two to three hours a day and consuming less than 1,200 calories, uh, you know, your metabolism, you know, your hormones, everything sort of takes a beating. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when you're transitioning out of that, there's a bit of a rebound effect. Did you know or understand it more because of your background and knew what was going to happen to it or or were you almost a little blindsided totally blindsided I mean I was in my own world you know I I was studying you know the human body on one end and then uh destroying my body on the other end you know striving for the perfect body but you know now that I'm in my 40s and now that I've been out of it for so many years I I don't want the perfect body I want my perfect body and those two things are are very different that's a really interesting statement to make. And do you find you use that most often with your clients now? That do they come in looking for the perfect body or are you able to be able in their mindset say you're mm-hmm. going to have your perfect body? Well, it's interesting. That was the first time I said it. It's <laughs> good though. It's, like I like that. Um, but, you know, I as a kin, I'm not really working with people who want to lose 10 pounds or want to get super fit. I'm mostly working with people who are coming off of an injury or who are injured or who have a specific condition um, because that's where my niche is. That's where Mm -hmm. my specialty is. I'm not really working with people who want to lose that last 10 pounds, you know. Which offers a very different mindset when mm-hmm. you do have people coming in. So when, so as you know that you're studying the body and destroying your own body at the same time, and you're you're kind of going through this education process, mm-hmm. and you decide to go into the exercise um, science route, mm-hmm. did you know that it was 
this aspect that you wanted to get into, as you were mentioning, helping people rehab, uh, dealing with injuries, dealing with that aspect of the body. Um, well, I first started, like in university, I started teaching um, group fitness classes. Um, and I had already been teaching dance for a couple of years uh, to young kids. I really enjoyed that. Um, so my part-time work, uh, you know, during my studies was teaching classes, teaching dance and teaching classes. And back then it was pretty much just like low impact step aerobics. Um, you know, spinning was just kind of picking up speed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember kickboxing coming into play, but my, but my oh, first. then we had Taibo. Taibo. <laughs> yes, I remember that. Do you want to, well, <laughs> we can date ourselves now. Yeah. But my first two years of teaching, I was really only teaching like step and low impact aerobics. And I was teaching like 20, 25 classes a week. Um, and I lost my voice for, for seven days from all the yelling. You know, we didn't always have mics and like microphones and, and vocal cord damage was a very common injury um, to aerobic instructors back then because we were screaming on top of the music in, in rooms that had terrible acoustics, you know. Um, and so thankfully, we started to see the spinning, the kickboxing, the dance fitness craze and the strength craze, you know, the, mm-hmm. the body pump, um, which was huge for, for group fitness instructors because we had a lot more variety and we weren't straining our bodies. Um, but at that same time, in sort of second year university, I uh, started working for Strength Tech um, for Lauren Goldenberg. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked actually for Strength Tech for 13 years. And so really enjoyed being in the corporate fitness setting where, um, you know, we went into um, facilities, companies and, and implemented, um, you know, fitness programs and, and fitness centers and uh that was it was it was really interesting. So, you know, for that amount of time, I was I was working more, you know, in corporate fitness. Um, and so, you know, after that, I sort of transitioned to doing my own thing. And uh, and yeah, well, you're growing up as this is all happening, mm-hmm. right? And you're establishing yourself within this business and you're getting, um, you know, you're, you're getting your own exposure, but you're also then starting to have your own life and your own you're getting married mm-hmm. and you're starting to have children so did that was that the shift in and kind of where the the next line the next kind of pathway was that you were going to take well I think I think kids change you you know and I think um you know I had my my first uh child while I was still working for strength tech and I it just it was just a natural sort of progression you know it was just um it was time for me to to shift gears and uh you know really wanted to do my own thing and um you know have my own business and uh and grow from there you know it was just um yeah it was just a natural sort of progression from there when did you decide as you're going through the pre and the post pregnancy Mm, that this mm -hmm. was something you were going to document you were going Mm -hmm. to share the information as to how you were doing with it because those videos Mm -hmm. because you are actually pregnant you you know like you know it's not like we put a little pillow and took a picture Mm -hmm. right like this is this is your experience when did that mindset or that business side of you say okay this is something I want to be able to to produce Mm -hmm. so um you know I was I 
I have a clear memory of my first time in the gym. You know, it was it was during university and uh, a friend of mine took me into the gym and although I'd been very fit yeah. as a as a dancer, I hadn't really been introduced to, you know, strength training and and the strength world. Um and I'll never forget this. Uh you know, she showed me a lat pull down and I remember sitting at that machine and performing this lat pull down with 20 pounds of weight shaking. I mean, I was just tremoring, you know, and I was thinking, wow, and I was sore for days afterwards. And I thought, wow, what a, what an amazing sensation. Like, it was just so cool to be able to be exposed to that. And I was just hooked from there, right? Like, loved being in the gym, loved strength training, love how it transformed your body. And when I was pregnant, I remember looking for you know, something that was safe for pregnant women to do strength-wise. And all I came across were cardio videos or yoga for pregnancy or stretching for pregnancy. There was no real, uh, like, strength training for, for prenatal women. And so I saw... I saw um, a, a need. I saw, a, you know, a demand, and so um, it all came together. I mean, it's just a friend who, um, you know, XC Zone that did the filming for us, and I um, did such a great job and uh, loved the whole process. You know, putting it together. Um, we were. I was 36 weeks. 32 mm-hmm. or 34 weeks pregnant when we filmed the uh, DVDs. Um, and I had two friends, uh, you know, with me uh, doing it. And it was just it was just such a fun experience. And I loved being able to expose strength training to to pre mm-hmm. prenatal women. How important do you think that it is? So, I mean, you've got women right now who are looking to be able to conceive um, mm-hmm. or, you know, are a couple weeks in or, mm-hmm. hope, you know, waiting for that 12 week kind of go ahead. You've mm-hmm. got some that are five months in and are looking to still contain these workouts. What is your outlook on being able to do that while pregnant? Well, it's interesting because the Canadian Society for Exercise Physiology has just released new guidelines for, you know, uh, pregnancy and, and postpartum period. And, you know, we're, we're seeing, you know, the national guidelines, uh, you know, encouraging women to be active. We know that exercise is extremely important for pregnant women. Um, you know, we're seeing lower incidences of gestational diabetes, of, you know, high birth weight, of, um, you know, co- complications during birth. Um, we know that babies born to exercising mothers are born with healthier cardiovascular systems. So we're seeing that, you know, at birth, these babies are born healthier, with healthier hearts because their moms exercised. And this is even more robust in women who are exercising more. And we're even seeing this 30 days after the babies are born. We're still seeing those healthier hearts because their moms, you know, performed exercise throughout their pregnancy. So we know the importance and we, we're just now seeing the guidelines, including strength training mm-hmm. um, as part of a healthy pregnancy. I, because I watch Instagram and I look at, you know, and I, I get, I get sucked into it. You know, I'm often amazed when I see like almost full term pregnancies and moms Mm -hmm. doing CrossFit or kind of doing the Mm chin-ups, you know, do you find that there can be a healthy way of doing it Mm -hmm. uh, and a way that you say, listen, this, you've got to monitor a little bit. Yes, I agree. We don't have enough studies that are, and I'm a really big evidence-based mm-hmm. person, right? Like I need to see the studies behind. We don't have a lot of studies of women exercising intensely during pregnancy. So I am not going to prescribe, 
intense exercise if someone isn't ready for that. Mm-hmm. Or Pregnancy is not a time to make great strength gains. <laughs> it is a time for coasting. You're maintaining. You're maintaining your strength. You're, you're just trying to stay healthy, you know, great posture, great alignment, good core strength. Um, let's get you fit for the delivery because that's mm-hmm. something that you really need to train for. Uh, but it's not the time to train for a marathon or get a PB in your squat or deadlift, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I'm, I'm really a big believer of, of less is more. And we're, you know, we're seeing, it's interesting, we're seeing a lot of boot camps and, um, you know, these, these high intensity classes geared towards uh, the postnatal woman, you know, like you give birth, you've gotten the six week clearance, join a baby mommy boot camp, you know, and I just, I just feel that that's, that's not appropriate. We need to have just like you need to transition out of sport, you need to transition appropriately out of, um, you know, that that childbirth is like, the biggest workout of your life. And there's so many physiological changes that occur in that time that we need to respect each woman's unique recovery process and not expect her to be ready to join a boot camp class at the six-week postpartum mark. I think there's also so many women that carry the pregnancies so differently, right? Exactly. Like you have you have friends that, you know, uh, are nauseous and they have the morning sickness that, mm-hmm. like we all experience things so differently. I mean, and I'm looking at the two of us who are very similar builds mm-hmm. and both really quite athletic. I gained... 55 pounds with both of my pregnancies I worked out almost every day like I worked out and I wasn't one of those you know girls that needed the pickle craving or the ice cream craving or the trip to McDonald's I ate healthy my only craving was vinegar like I would eat vinegar like it was soup like I would Mm -hmm. cut up these tomatoes and then pour Mm -hmm. vinegar and then eat it like soup kind of like like a bowl of cereal (laughs) like for me that was as, as as bad as it got and yet exercising every day eating really healthy I gained 55 pounds Mm. I have a girlfriend who did absolutely nothing except, you know, hung out on her couch, ate McDonald's and fast food every day and gained 18 pounds and recovered with like a week afterwards and looked the exact same. And it took me nine months mm-hmm. to to get back to even somewhat, you know, resemblance of, of what I felt that I was like, why are we so we are made so differently that mm-hmm. it really is individual as to what your body will and won't do? That's it. I mean, we... we you really have to take into consideration so many different factors. This podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. They're a new breed of marketing agency that acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies that will grow your business. I can speak to this personally as I've been using the Extension Marketing team to help me launch and grow my business. Founder Pat Whalen has been a lifesaver for me, a genuine coach guiding me along the way into uncharted territory. Tell them you're a friend of the show and receive a free one-hour consultation. Check them out at extensionmarketing.com. What is your fitness level going into your pregnancy, right? What are, how is your nutrition throughout your pregnancy? Um, you know, people are able to metabolize things quite differently. You know, um, I was one of those people who really struggled to gain weight during uh, pregnancy. Um, and others have the ability to, you know, gain weight quite easily without any <laughs> Sarah, I gained 55 pounds. Okay, like... 
like I mean that's a lot I, like my breasts were like double D's like they were coming out of everywhere I mean like I had no idea and I'm on television at this point right mm. we already look bigger on television and like when you're like, I was like straight on with the camera I, I like it looked like I was you know like I'm sure you wore it very well well, I really don't. Like, I look back and I'm like, you know, everyone was really nice and all, but like, you know, I was twice, I was like twice that person. And and yet, you know, I was doing all the right things. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it plays, it. hey, it plays with your head. It, it really does. Pregnancy is, I mean, and, and I, and I sort of compared it to competing, you know, like mentally it's, it's pretty challenging to, um, you know, to gain weight and that, tr- that, in between time, you know, uh, post-birth and, you know, maybe the first six to 12 mm-hmm. months can be very difficult for, for women mentally, you know, to to be at a place where you know you, you need to be carrying a little bit of this extra weight. Um, you know, if you're breastfeeding, um, you're not really the emphasis is on baby. You know, you know, you don't really have an opportunity to focus on yourself until, you know, years later. It, it, it took me like six years to get my, to, to get back to my pre-pregnancy shape, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it, it took a while to kind of, you know, get comfortable with that. I, I think you want people to realize that there are issues. And one of the things that you deal with with a lot of uh, your clients is the the wall separation. Mm-hmm. And I know we've done a lot of segments on this. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say it, the diastasis. Di- you can I, say I'll, diastasis too. Yeah, no, but I was like, I'll, I'll get there. Why is this so critical for you? I know it's something that you really emphasize mm-hmm. uh, while pregnant and working out as to how to be able to deal with the, mm-hmm. you know, the stomach yep. um, and, the, and the stomach muscles and lining. What for you, like, what do you want people to realize and what are the consequences if mm-hmm. not? So years ago, 10, 15 years ago, we weren't really talking about diastasis. Uh, it was just kind of called mommy tummy. It was a thing that happened. Uh, you know, we weren't really talking about it. But it's it's really, um, you know, I'm really pleased to see, you know, mainstream media sort of addressing it. We're discussing it. Um, we know there was a, a recent study that found that 100% of women in their third trimester will get that diastasis, will get that separation. So it's essentially a separation of the abdominal wall. So that topmost layer of the abdomen is called the rectus abdominis, and it stretches or pulls away from its attachment, the, the midline of the body during pregnancy. We see this in other individuals as well, uh, but mostly in in postnatal, uh, in prenatal, in that third trimester because of the stretch that's being, being placed on the tissues. And so um, we also know that at eight weeks postpartum, if you have a diastasis, you're more likely to have a diastasis one year postpartum. So that first eight weeks is a pretty critical healing time for the tissues. And we know that this condition doesn't really just go away on its own. Sometimes it does, but you're really likely to have it a year later if you have it, you know, a couple of months postpartum. Um, and so what we're seeing is, you know, women with this condition, with a diastasis, are more at risk of, you know, pelvic instability. We're seeing low back pain. Uh, maybe we're seeing a weakening of the deep abdominal musculature. Um, you know, we're seeing these things that are a directly attributed to the tissues being kind of stretched. So we have 
really found uh, like we're able to address it. Um, it's a multifactorial, you know, approach. We're not just looking at strengthening your deep core muscles. We're looking at a lot of other things like addressing your posture and alignment, addressing how you're breathing, addressing how you're managing intra-abdominal pressure, um, you know, also addressing the pelvic floor. You know, there's so many things that come into play and you know, for us, it's really about finding what the primary driver is. So, you know, is it your posture that's causing it to stay kind of stretched? Is it how you're breathing that's putting a lot of pressure on the system? Is it the muscles that are weak? Like, what is it? I mean, and for any woman right now who's going, okay, you know, I had kids a couple years ago, mm. I had kids 20 some years ago, could they still be seeing this effect? I mean, if you go into almost like a plank position, would it just be like, don't, you, don't, don't, you, don't, you don't even want to look down <laughs> you, like you know like there's the stomach kind of it, it, it mm-hmm. so two-thirds it of hang, women but. will get this doming effect in the abdomen so if you perform an abdominal crunch you see a little dome it looks kind of like a football you know like a kind of coming together of the sides and a bulge at the top of the abdomen like a bulging look and so you may see it during a crunch, you may see it during a plank, um, but essentially if you're bulging or if you're doming, as we would call it, that's putting too much strain on the tissues. So when we're looking at uh, an exercise plan, we're looking to avoid the doming of the abdomen. So that's why, you know, we, so there's so much there's so much conflicting information online. There's but that's why you're saying like at a six at six weeks when someone's signing themselves up to go into a boot camp and you know they're they're they haven't healed they haven't properly healed. and they're going into these trying to get their abs back and they're going into these plank positions and things they're are just falling breaking things it's, down. Yeah, breaking things down and and not able to heal fully and also um, you know low back pain, hip pain, neck pain. There's a lot of compensation that occurs, a lot of compensatory strategies. Um, And it it is really tough because there's a lot of conflicting information online, right? It's, you know, some, you know, do a crunch, don't do a crunch. Planks are great. Planks are bad. Do this. Don't, I mean, there's just so much. But with my clients, essentially, if I can just guide someone that your main rule should be, if you have this condition, just avoid the doming avoid the bulge. So if you do a plank on your toes and you see the bulging, drop down to your knees or try a different exercise. If you're doing a crunch and you see the bulge, try a different exercise. Modify it, regress, short term, until you can give those tissues a chance to heal, until you can retrain the system, correct those inefficiencies, the, you know, Mm -hmm. what you, whatever we need to focus on and, you know, get you back to a point where you're aligned and strong and functional can you do it 20 years out absolutely absolutely it may take a little more time and and you know so the biggest thing for me is if i have someone you know starting off their prenatal journey it's it's ideal because i can really guide them throughout their pregnancy we can avoid putting excessive strain on the tissues um we can really help them to prevent you know an excessive diastasis and then we can help guide them transition out of that really safely Mm -hmm. um but 
you know, the, the best thing to do is, is just, you know, avoid putting excessive strain on the tissues, uh, you know, as much as you can. So avoid the doming, avoid the bulging, um, you know, modify short term. But yeah, we, you know, 20 years later, absolutely. Because we, we, we see other people with this condition as well, people mm-hmm. who gain weight quickly. Um, I'm actually seeing it in a lot of young gymnasts, you know, young, um, young athletes. And they come to me and I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel... And, and all of them say, well, you know, I'm, I'm doing 100 crunches a day or I'm doing 200 crunches a day because that's what our training, that's what mm-hmm. our coaches are telling us to do. And so with that repetitive action, there's a lot of strain that's being placed on the tissues. And I mean, every- <laughs> as I'm thinking, I think Jamie must have done a couple hundred the other day, right? <laughs> like I have a young, you know, so, so, so to be on the lookout for that. Absolutely. Even. Yeah. And everyone's born with this condition with, with a diastasis. And it's usually around age seven where uh, seven or eight where things kind of sort of come together a mm-hmm. little bit. But um, but yeah, I check everybody for it. I check everyone, <laughs> you know. Yeah, for sure. Uh, for you, a successful uh, post pre and post pre and post pregnancy is what? Like for you, how do you like to see someone get through it in a healthy manner? getting in their workouts, mm-hmm. having a healthy pregnancy, and then being able to recover. What does that look like for I you? I think it really depends, you know, and I think, uh, you know, it really depends on my client. So someone who's really struggled with conceiving um, may be happy just walking and doing some light strength training throughout their entire pregnancy and feel really great about that and have a healthy pregnancy, a delivery and, you know, be okay with being, you know, 30 pounds over and not be concerned about that because they were able to actually Mm -hmm. accomplish that, that amazing feat. Um, And for others, you know, I'm working with a lot of athletes who are pregnant, um, very competitive athletes. And so for them, it's really different. They're not going to be, they're not going to consider, you know, a successful, pregnancy and postnatal period if they haven't had a chance to exercise as you know a, a great deal so I think it really are these depends. are these women who are looking to be able to stay as competitive following pregnancy I mean you look at like a Serena Williams mm-hmm. you know who's able to get back into a grand slam final a year after having a, a child like it's incredible it's amazing what the body is able to do it in is. that sense it is and um I think that conversation needs to take place, you know, that you just don't know how, I mean, we don't know how nauseous you're going to be, how in pain you're going to be, um, you know, in some uh, women, the, the, the pelvis is shifting. I mean, that pubic symphysis, that cartilaginous joint in the front of the pelvis is opening up. I mean, it's, it's got to shift a little bit to allow for, for baby to come, baby to come through that birth canal. Mm-hmm. So and in some women, that can be very uncomfortable. So for me, a successful and healthy pregnancy is a pregnancy that's somewhat pain-free, um, where you were able to maintain some form of movement throughout, um, have a delivery that you're, you know, that the, where the outcome is a healthy baby, mm-hmm. whether it's a vaginal delivery or a C-section, um, and really honor your unique recovery process so I know that's a pretty broad um you know it is but it's so broad because we are so individualized Uh, and you were saying you know I think right before we started talking um we've come so far in so many other sciences Mm -hmm. and in so many other aspects of medicine Mm -hmm. and yet we are still you said like in the stone ages when it comes to women's reproductive health (laughs) yes (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, and I feel, I don't know, I just, um, I mean, it, it, you know, struggling to conceive is, is a very, uh, it's, a, it's a very difficult thing, you know, it's not easy. Infertility is, is not, is not easy. So I feel like all, all kids are, are, are miracles, mm-hmm. you know, it really is. And you started off by saying, you know, it's, it's a miraculous thing. But, you know, we have the miraculous thing because our body has taken us through this transition mm-hmm. and yet it can, it can disappoint us as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and not only when it comes to, you know, childbearing years or infertility, but you, you deal with people whose bodies are failing them in other aspects. I mean, we can move from pregnancy to injuries to mm-hmm. immobility. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, what is it for you to have an individual come in with, you know, some, like they feel broken. Yeah, that's that's kind of yeah. Work with a lot of people who are kind of broken in some in some way, but um, it's really about uh, understanding the body, right? And understanding um, where the muscle imbalances are, where the movement deficiencies are, where the breaks in alignment are. You know, how is there, so when we're, you know, in our practice, we're looking at all these things in, in our assessment, we're, we're performing manual muscle tests to, to test the strength of specific muscles. Okay. What is the most common thing that you see? I would say low back pain. Okay. Low back pain is probably the most common. Mm. Low back pain to the point where they're in so much discomfort that daily activity, going to work, exercise, like is, or a broad spectrum. Varied across across the spectrum. And so we, so we are, and it's, you know, 80% of people at some point in their life are going to have low back pain, right? It's it's a very common uh, condition. But we really want to sort of understand, because it's a very unique, you know, the low back pain could be due to weak, deep core muscles, or it could be due to poor alignment. It could also be due to non-optimal breathing mechanics. It could be due to a tightness somewhere along the chain. Um, It could be due to their movement mechanics. So maybe the way they're lifting um, their baby is 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 not optimal maybe their deep core muscles um like their transverse abdominus that deepest core layer isn't firing optimally or their multifidus for another example um maybe their posture isn't isn't great and so the way that they're standing is putting excess strain maybe the pelvis is tilted forward in an anterior tilt which puts a lot more strain on the lumbar spine. So we can't just sort of blanket, you know, we can't just say you have low back pain, your core is weak. We really need to take a look at the body as a whole. And that's what we're doing in our practice. And we also have athletic therapists in addition to registered kinesiologists and strength coaches who can treat the low back pain or any other injury that they may have and work closely with with us to create a customized plan that's going to help address all of their unique issues so they can get their treatment and then they can get their customized program to help with getting stronger getting more mobile realigning correcting their breathing mechanics or whatever it is that may be contributing or what may be the primary driver to mm-hmm. their low back discomfort which is not something they were coming in thinking about that's really interesting that you say that shifting because, the mindset because we have a lot of people that come in that that want to do you know I want to do my CrossFit I want to do but often we're dialing it back quite a bit. Um, you can have the best program, but if you're not executing it well, um, you know you you're not going to 
get the most out of it. And so we're really big on, you know, proper execution of each exercise. And, um, you know, it has to be purposeful. Purposeful. Mm-hmm. So you've got lower backs. You were talking a lot about recovery rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. So you have athletes or just individuals, knee surgeries, ACLs, and like absolutely a cross section of everything yeah and i love the fact that we have our our athletic therapists on site because we're able to help people along their health continuum so if they're an, an athlete and they get injured you know maybe they're at this point but we can bring them up here or um if someone's just looking to start for the first time i mean we're really able to help people along the spectrum with with therapy and the assessment and the um training as well Continuum fitness, Mm -hmm. as you said, the continuum of health. Mm -hmm. And and, and the continuum fitness is the name of the business. What is the successful client enter and client exit then for you? You know, because you you have these relationships with people. And sometimes people say, oh, I love having – I've been with my trainer for, you know, so many years. That's not necessarily always the case for you. It's almost like you want to see people come in, Mm -hmm. reestablish themselves, and then sometimes – Exit. Move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have maybe 50% of my clients that are regular clients mm-hmm. that have been with me. I have some that have been with me for over 10 years. Um, but I'm also a lot of, I do a lot of bridging the gap between mm-hmm. therapy and return to sport. So they may, you know, see a therapist for some treatment, see me for a short period of time and move on to one of our other coaches, um, you know, who do more sort of high performance mm-hmm. elements or they're with another coach, they get pregnant, they come see me, mm-hmm. and after baby, they're going back. So there's a little bit of kind of shifting back and forth. Have you seen a lot of successful come in pregnant, have successful training, how, you know, have baby mm-hmm. get back? Mm-hmm. Are we seeing that more? We we are. We are. And um, and I think a lot of it comes down to women understanding that it doesn't have to happen at the six-week postpartum mark. You know, it's going to happen. But, you know, if you take that time to respect the body and not push too hard in that immediate postpartum period, you will have a recovery. You will able to recover. What part of the body do we least respect? Hmm. Probably the mind, you know, like we're not, we just, um, we're not able to listen, you know, to our bodies. We like to push through pain. We like to, you know, push and no matter what, you know. Um, it, it's important to really listen to what our, I mean, our, the body is an amazing system and often it will give us cues when something is kind of off, but we are so not in tune with our bodies. We're just not as connected as we should be that, you know, it can often lead to injury or dysfunction. Um, but yeah, if we want a, a better answer, maybe, you know, no, the core, really the pelvis. Good, no, it mm-hmm. is a good answer. Mm-hmm. It's the real answer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We don't listen. Sometimes. You know what, though? I'm going to say something. Yeah. Okay. So I I think I've been, I don't know if it's my life circumstances mm-hmm. or, you know, I, and I've been very vocal. Like I listened to my body when I got shingles and mm-hmm. said, my mm-hmm. body's tired. I'm, I can't do the 3.30 a.m. wake up call anymore. Um, and then recently, and I actually wrote about this in one of my in one of my newsletters. I'm sitting a lot now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I never did. I mean, that four hour show. I mean, you would see me. Oh, you were running <laughs> I was around, running like crazy. Yeah. Like I was running to the set and then running back to my desk and then running. Like when we'd have a segment, I'd like yeah. run to the bathroom and commercial change. break and then change and mm-hmm. then come run back onto the set. Like I, I, I wish I had tracked 
what a show like how much how many miles I did over a show now these days I'm like sitting at my computer I'm writing a lot more I'm emailing back I'm doing calls I am so sore from sitting Mm-hmm. Like I am so sore from sitting, and the other day I'm like I'm I'm bitching about it, and that you know, and then it's like listen to your body. I moved my entire desk from the dining room. I now have it in the kitchen. Amazing. And <laughs> so wait, so I I'm like okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna stand at the kitchen count at, okay. the, at the island, and I'm gonna work that way standing. You know, I brought everything over, brought it to the kitchen, and then what do I do? Like I'm I'm starting like I'm I'm maybe like five minutes into like t- typing stuff in the kitchen, and then I like pull over the chair <laughs> to sit down because <laughs> I'm, I'm like, oh, there's a chair. And then the, and then Tony came upstairs because he works out of the house and he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> he's like, you were in the kitchen so that you were standing. You know, yeah. like it was just such an immediate, like I, I made the change. I'm going to stand. Uh, and then I, you know, I just... I pulled the chair over, but I'm I'm giving it a week to see if I'm actually going to feel the difference mm-hmm. because I li- like I'm listening. Like my body doesn't feel like it did yeah. before. Yeah, and so so I, I get the like I get the listening to your body. Most people don't. You do, and and I think it's great that you've experienced this because you can relate to probably 70% of your viewers, right? Who are seated at right. a workstation. And I couldn't understand it either that they'd be sitting all day and then didn't want to, after sitting all day, go out and move because it's like, okay, you've been sitting, go and, and exercise. But no, the it's more exhausting. you sit, you're exhausted <laughs> and you don't want to go after sitting all day <laughs> and go move because everything is sore and it hurts. Yeah. Like I have, I, I think I've apologized to so many people to be like, I'm so sorry that I assumed that after sitting all day, you would want to go do this. Yeah. You don't. It's, it's, you really don't. It, it's exhausting. But w- what's important is we know that, you know, there was a time where we were saying sitting is the new smoking, you know, like it's, you've got, it is bad. It, it's, but standing for eight hours a day isn't that great either what's what's more important is incorporating bouts of movement throughout your day Mm -hmm. it's the lymphatic system that gets really stagnant when you're not moving so if you can move for two to four minutes on every hour then you can keep the the system moving and you're more likely to be in less pain so setting an alarm every hour shifting from seated to standing you know there's no one perfect seated posture it's how dynamic can you make the posture you know lean forward sit back cross your legs stretch it out twist around stand up move around like it's not just about sitting properly or standing properly okay so it's not it's yeah. mixing it up and making it as dynamic as possible you want to see people almost dancing <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna see people at their desks now like little timers <laughs> Turn to the side. <laughs> There's so many apps. I'm sure there's an app for, you know, how to how to move throughout yeah. your workday seated. If someone yeah. hasn't invented that yet, mm. it should be. There you go. Yeah, you'd have a lot of people downloading that as they're sitting at their desk for, for eight hours. Yeah. So I was reading through your through the bio, and I mean, and I knew the fitness background. I knew because we had done all the stuff on on uh, the pre and postnatal mm-hmm. videos. Uh, but then I started to see the race walking. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So and this came later. It did come later. So yeah, so I, you know, in teaching, in teaching all those classes, mm-hmm. um, power walking was one of my favorite classes to teach. I mean, I just thought it was like the best thing to teach. You could get outside, like during your workday. Um, you know, I loved walking. Uh, you know, you can walk and, you know, get some fresh air, um, get a good workout at the same time. And I just thought that was 
it was just so awesome. So I loved teaching power walking. I loved walking because mm-hmm. um, I wasn't really a great runner, you know, at the time. And I was married into this running family, you know, like my husband's an amazing runner. He was a triathlete, Ironman triathlete. My brother-in-law is probably the greatest runner in the Yeah, I was going <laughs> to, I'm going to get to Ray in a second. I think, yeah. yeah. Um, so walking was my thing. And uh, shortly after my first was born, I found this group called the Bytown Walkers. And they had a great coach and he'd coached um, you know, a three-time Olympian. Um, and I just, that was my thing, helping me get, you know, transition. It was, it was really great. And I really enjoyed, um, you know, the training. It was, Does it hurt your hips? It, it's interesting. A lot of people ask that. And when I started, um, you know, maybe eight years ago, I remember maybe being a little, there was a little bit of discomfort, but it didn't last long. It really just, it looks funny. And it's, it's just, it's super technical, right? So it it's, does look a little off. It, it yeah. It, you know, like, we, I mean, we get laughed at, you know, all the time, but. Well, it's, it's because it's almost like, why don't you just run? <laughs> I know. So but close but then running. when I can walk faster than you're running. It's... Okay. So let me ask. So you, you mentioned Ray. Well, you mentioned your brother-in-law and I'm going to say yeah. Ray. Yeah. Um, because his story, oh, it's fascinating! It's fascinating. It's just I'm gonna actually when he's in town, I'm gonna have to you, I'm gonna have to track him down you, yeah, and sit in on, on this on this mm-hmm. chair. He is like um, his his run like he runs across deserts like he's an ultra ultra. It's not even like an ultra marathoner anymore because it's like it's gone way past that. It's beyond what, that. What, what would his title be? Like the ultra? I, he's probably he like an deserts. adventurer. I you know, and he's probably gonna kill me for not knowing the exact term yeah he's just he's just an all-round in, incredible human being right but like he he leads like i mean we're talking one of the top in the world of doing these long distance cr- across the desert across right. rains that yes. you would never think an individual is going to go run and then be gone for days at a time months at a time so i mean he's run across the sahara desert uh when that was never done before it's been it's been documented Mm -hmm. running the sahara you should go watch that um he holds the world record for the fastest crossing across the geographic south pole he's run across you know in in hot climates but he's also run in in freezing cold climates as well um lake bacal the gobi desert i mean he's just done it all And, and and it's all come back to a point for him where he's, it's all about his charitable organization, Impossible to Possible, where he's inspiring youth to bring about change, you know, in the world. And Because um, it didn't start like that. It didn't, Right, no. it, it kind of starts like, a, you know. Yeah, I mean, he was a pack-a-day smoker, drinker, sedentary individual and went from being that to uh, an incredible runner in a short period of time. And And he'll tell you, you know, it's... 90% of it is mental and the other 10% yeah. of it is in your head. You know, it's just, it's all kind of mental. Yeah. I, I find his story like fascinating. It really, too. really but is. For the two of you, could you go for him a run and you a walk and be able to have, like, would that work? Like, could you do it? Would he be, would you be going incredibly fast in your walking and he would be going incredibly slow? Only if he's going incredibly slow. I mean, that's only happened a couple of times when he was running across the Sahara and he was, you know, it was a slow day and I was able to walk next to him. But no, he's he's very, he's still quite fast, you know. Um, We don't train together a lot, just like I don't really train with my it's just it's it's mm-hmm. it's kind of difficult right it's not it's not easy to but I can with my friends if they're running I can walk next to them no problem yeah really yeah 
Race walk, for sure. You can race walk while your friends run and stay with the group and amongst the conversation. Yeah. So my fastest 5K, walking 5K is 28 minutes, 28 something. So a lot of people will probably run. a 5K run. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I know it looks pretty funny, but. No, but. Yeah. So I haven't really been doing race walking. and I, I mean, it's, a, it's part of your history, right? Yeah, it's, part, it's of, part of my history, part of my journey. It was great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. I'm looking at that time. I'm still doing I think I do a 20. Well, no, I, I would do a 5K in about 25 minutes. That's pretty fast, though. That's pretty good. Yeah, 25 think, minutes. That's a five-minute K. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's because I, I was being timed, and it was one of those, you know, yeah. cases. Ask yeah. me to go around the – if I leave my house to go for a 5K, I'm probably coming in at around – 30 something, right? So it, it's amazing how yeah. in a racing situation you mm-hmm. can you can find it, right? You can find the the energy and the the will, the mental strength to push through. Would you say that you see that a lot with people who find a way, find the will even injured and you know, you're trying to tell them, "Okay, we have to s- step back." And yet people sometimes they don't want to feel it, they don't want to see it mm-hmm. that they're doing because they want to compete. They do. It's really tough. And I think the people who are really successful are the ones that are on board with the plan, the, the ones that trust the process and trust that their bodies need a little bit of that brain retraining, right? That um, neuromuscular retraining, you know, um, working on really connecting with certain areas before because if there's a break in the system you've got a you're only as strong as your weakest link so you kind of need to focus on you know where those breaks in movement mm-hmm. are and work on correcting that with the kinesiology background where do you think we still have major improvements to make on how we train or what we do with the human body overall in general it's prevention i mean we need to be, uh, you know, including kinesiology in all health benefit plans. We we know that those who are active are going to put a lot less strain on our system 20, 30, 40 years down the road, right? As an active individual, uh, you are less likely to, uh, you know, to have diabetes, Parkinson's, cancers. I mean, exercise is going to prevent a lot of uh, conditions down the road. And we have a very reactionary medical system, right? We we do. And mm-hmm. so there isn't, in my opinion, enough emphasis placed on prevention. And exercise is a preventative medical, I mean, we need to be, we all need to be moving. And we need to be encouraged to move in a way that, you know, it's not sort of like the person who's taking an hour out of their workday to exercise shouldn't be uh, looked down upon. Everybody should be, you know, workplaces should be encouraging, you know, movement and activity and fitness and strength. And I mean, it, it's it's how we're going to prevent musculoskeletal conditions. It's how we're going to prevent low back pain. It's how we're going to prevent. Do, do your daughters realize, because my daughters realize that mom's hour of, you know, Saturday morning I get up and I go or, mm-hmm. you know, like mom's hour is actually better for the family. Yeah. it's so hard to but that hour taking to invest in an act going to work out or getting exercise in makes us better people yeah better parents it's true or, or <laughs> maybe in the long run. and I, and i hope that they see it right that it's going to be part of their everyday life that's it it's, are you like that with your daughters and i and i'm not i mean there's a lot of people who absolutely need it you know like it's their it's their 
outlet. It's their therapy. It's their, I mean, I can go a week or two without, you know, if I get it. And, and, and maybe it's more of like on the weekends, it's more of a 20 minute thing. I'm mm-hmm. going to go out for a 20 minute run slash walk, whatever it is. And, and, and that was one of the reasons why I created the, the postnatal DVD with, with baby. So it's a workout that's done with your baby, right? You're using your baby as a weight. Or your be- and I think so it has to start at a very early age where um, you know you're working out maybe with your children and later on your children need to see that you are taking your your health as a priority and families who can work out together you know and it doesn't have to be an hour I mean it can be 10 or 15 minutes it can be whatever it can it can be a family walk it can be a hike it can be um, you know you just doing like a few push-ups or whatever it is at home but so whatever works for you is something, you know, where your ch- your children need to know that, you know, your health is important and them seeing you take make your health a priority, I think just guides them, you know, and, and helps them to understand that we're, we're, we're guiding a future generation. Mm-hmm. Your daughters see it. They do. Mm-hmm. They do. And they, and they are active, mm-hmm. um, but they are actually a lot more active in an unstructured way. I mean, they play outside a lot. They're not in anything competitive yet. Um, they're just, you know, they they you know dance or swim or you know they do one or two sort of structured activities a week, and the rest of the time they're just they're just playing. Do you they're have good a- neighbors that are that 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 say okay they're out playing? Yeah, I I find. We've lost that. I mean, when we were growing up, it was you went out and played and you came home when the lights came up on the streets and Mm -hmm. you came in for dinner, right? And you went and made forts and trees and you did things. Mm -hmm. For me, it's the the judgment of other parents if you're not standing over top of your child as they're doing that. And that's where I find that we lose, we lose it. Yeah, we're we're very very fortunate. Go out, yeah, because and we, I'm not going to supervise you no. at all times. Yeah, I mean it depends on their age, but I mean no, it's we're very very lucky. There's a lot of kids in our neighborhood, and in the summer, I mean spring, summer, fall, everyone's knocking on each other's doors, mm-hmm. and they're out for hours at a time. And I realize that that's not every neighborhood, but you can still encourage your child to knock on a friend's door and get out there. Maybe you supervise a bit at the beginning and once they get to a place where they're a little comfortable, you can kind of trust that, or it gets confined to a park or a backyard. They're not or... knocking on each other's doors. They're messaging them through right. whatever game and app that they're on <laughs> and then have to decide if they're lazy enough or want to actually leave the confines it's, of the house and true. the technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's the technology that, that kind of shifts things It's up. true. It's true. What are you looking forward to most as to where this profession can go or the changes that you can make with people? Uh, you know, well, if you had asked me 10 years ago, I would I would have said, well, for me to say that I'm a kinesiologist without having someone say, what is that? Mm-hmm. You know, so love how the, the, the profession has grown and expanded. Um, but honestly, I mean, we're a regulated profession. I see some people with private, um, you know, benefits would cover. I would love to see benefit coverage across the board. I mean, that's kind of what I would love to see, you know, kinesiologists being recognized for their influence on, you know, health and and fitness and um, preventative medicine. So it's not covered? Some people, so some people do have coverage, Mm -hmm. but most do not. However, everyone can claim kinesiology services as a medical expense. So come tax time, it, it can be mm-hmm. claimed as a medical expense. Just not just a little bit different than... 
if if you have like a, a health benefit plan, some people may have coverage. And I know that some uh, companies provide like a health uh, spending, you know, account. Um, so I would just encourage people to look at their plans and see if they have kinesiology coverage and maybe just ask um, ask their, you know, reach out to, to their HR department and, and inquire. And I think the more people we have asking and inquiring, um, you know, maybe, maybe we'll see a little shift. Well, I think so. I think the, the outlook right now is, is if things aren't working quite right, that I thought, I thought what you saying, like the less is more, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and getting to the right, the root of where the issue the is why. being caused, the why, mm-hmm. and then being able to work and trigger that so that it's stronger so that the rest of the body then aligns itself, That's which it. essentially is what it is you're trying to figure mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. People can find you where, like what you know, continuum fitness, but there's a, there's an umbrella. There's a lot of people that are, that are working with you guys. We have a great team. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really happy with our team. Um, we've got, you know, athletic therapists, kinesiologists, exercise physiologists, and and strength coaches. Um, yeah, we're at continuumfitness.ca. We're on Instagram, continuum fit. We're in, we're in Ottawa, Mm -hmm. Westboro, Ottawa. We're on Facebook. Um, cause the studio is beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. There's a lot of room. There's a lot of things that are going on there. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) When we went to tape. And also I should remind you, like if, if you're looking for, um, I mean, you have the, the podcast and the video right now, but if you head to the website, we did a couple of um, yeah. of, of segments really focusing on the diastasis mm-hmm. uh, that would be, and we had everything. We had like four segments yes. on what to do, how to see it, what you're looking That's for. It what exercises to incorporate yeah um so if you're looking at this the best thing to do is head to my website under the uh trainer uh, trainer workouts uh sarah's comes in under there and there's about four segments uh, that you did right when i was kind of starting to launch and doing everything it was so exciting uh and it was great too when we had um a number of different segments back at the show so continuumfitness.ca uh and you can find it is it on it's churchill we're at right on Churchill. Is that yeah. right? It's yes, Churchill, right? We are. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, right before you get to Westboro. Like right, right before you get to Richmond. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's great to be able to see. Thanks so much. And Thanks, I love Leanne. it, Sarah. Thank you. Because I know like you were talking about some of the podcasts. And you're like, I saw this one. And this really kind of resonated with me. So I really appreciate that. And this is a great encouragement for those that are listening. Please uh, like, share, subscribe. Uh, share your stories. Let me know if there's things that you actually are looking to have on. Um, I'm going to have to track you down to get into your brother-in-law, Ray. Ray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's one incredible story, too. Um, and just to be able to help share the Living Your Life with Leanne Lang podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. It's said that the more time you have to invest, the greater the return. Well, guess what? Kids have the most time if we learn to invest early. That's why I created the Cash Kid Podcast, where I teach kids and some adults financial skills they need to know on how to earn, save, and invest their money. Join me on this journey as we interview experts and explore topics that allow you to grow your money as kids. This podcast will help you become the money expert among your family and friends. Just remember, anyone can be a cash kid. You just have to learn how to become one. Get ready to grow your financial knowledge and your wallet with the Cash Kid Podcast.